for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show. Well, as we all adjust to this new normal brought on by the coronavirus, certain portions of society have been told they're more at risk than others. So while a lot of us are feeling some level of anxiety, fear, confusion, right? For parents, grandparents, folks 65 and older, that anxiety and fear can and has been for some close to debilitating. Enter 25-year-old Stanford alum Rebecca Mera, whose random act of kindness, just as the seriousness of the pandemic was setting in here in the States, inspired thousands to look beyond their personal struggles and find solace in lending a hand to others. Senior editor Dan Brown joins us to share Rebecca's story. It's Monday, March 23rd. Well, Dan, I love this story, um, and I know that it's a big deal at this point, but how did you first hear about it a couple of weeks ago? It was uh, Tim Kawakami, of all people. The guy with the heart of gold is always looking out for those <laughs> touchy-feely little uh, mm-hmm. humanity stories. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, one of our coworkers, uh, Andrew Wasserman, who I didn't know previously, uh, is one of those like friend of a friend of a friend, knows Rebecca Mara. Uh, had seen the story go viral on CNN, on Twitter, on uh, CBS. And um, by the time we got to it, it was already kind of a phenomenon. But uh, Rebecca, I emailed her and said, tell us the story one more time. And she said, I love The Athletic, of course. So that made it a little easier. Well, give us some background on Rebecca and what her time was like at Stanford. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, a lot of the stories, so when, I don't want to say you get to the story late, but other outlets cover this kind of thing in a different way. You know, what happened? She went and helped these people in the parking lot, which we'll, we'll get to. But they didn't talk a lot about who she was or yeah. where she was from. And she was a terrific runner at Stanford. Um, she was a three-time All-American, middle distance, oft injured, had rotten luck. Often near the end of the year when some of the biggest races were coming up, she would get injured uh, when she was really poised to do some damage. So... Great career with a tinge of regret, um, but looking just looking at it now, some of her um, her times were super impressive. She ran 800 meter once in 202.55, which is wow. really faster than us. Yeah, it might even be faster than your dogs. Um, <laughs> her best mile time is four minutes and 32 seconds. She was an impressive runner at Stanford. Yeah, and what's she doing now? So now she's a professional runner. Still, she's up in Bend, Oregon, training there. She found a coach who has rescued her from this past of uh, injury, uh, mostly by making her back off, which is kind of a good lesson for these times that we're living in now. <laughs> it's okay to rest sometimes, it's okay to dial back. So she stopped training so hard and she started being more cautious about her body, listening to her body. If she felt the aches and pains coming on, she would skip the workout. She would skip the long runs and use that for rest and recovery. You know, she's kind of a late bloomer in terms of her running because she's figured out so many things regarding staying healthy. And, you know, that's a back burner thing. Like, I think so many athletes have been pretty gracious in recognizing they're not the most important thing in the world right now. She didn't talk a lot about that during our interview, but she's also got an eye on international relations still. Uh, she was an international relations major at Stanford. And right now she's putting that to use as an assistant for the Bend, Oregon mayor. Hmm. Okay, so let's, on that note, all go in our minds, Dan, up to Bend, Oregon. Just a typical Wednesday. Rebecca's headed to pick up a few things from her local Safeway when something that doesn't typically happen when I go to the store, Dan, happens to Rebecca. So take us back to that parking lot that afternoon. 
she was stopping by Safeway. This wasn't quite before the world got super crazy with the uh, everybody being shut in, but there was enough warning signs that she was going to stock up on a couple of things like Flonase and <laughs> Yeah, so, important things. Important stuff. And she's making her way almost uh, across the parking lot, and she hears a voice, kind of a desperate voice from a car. I hear from the corner of my eye, I see a woman kind of waving out of her car and saying, hey, hey, you. So I walked on over, and I was so surprised. And she turned around and located the, where it was coming from, and she saw that it was an elderly couple in the car. Otherwise, she said she would have kept walking. That had just been some stranger. But she saw there was a man and a woman, probably in their 80s, and the woman had the window maybe halfway down. She you know, said to me that she was afraid to go in the grocery store. And I said, what's the problem? She said, well, you know, I'm afraid, you know, the first case of coronavirus in Bend just happened today, yesterday. I'm nervous to go in the store. My husband and I are worried because it's disproportionately affecting older people. Mm -hmm. They've been waiting there for 40 minutes, hoping to get somebody young and healthy to go brave the elements and go buy their groceries. And without a thought, she cracked the window open a little bit more and handed me a $100 bill and a grocery list. And without thinking, I took it and walked in the store and bought the groceries and walked in out and gave it to her. And they said their goodbyes. And, you know, Rebecca didn't think that much of it. She says probably reasonably so that anybody else would have done the same thing. But her boyfriend kind of encouraged her to share the story on Twitter so that other people would know to kind of look out for each other. People would kind of get a sense of how much maybe the elderly might need a little checking in on these days. Mm-hmm. So Rebecca wrote just kind of a three-burst tweet and just said, here's what happened. Here's a reminder that we can all help each other during these troubling times. And for reasons that seem obvious, it just really resonated with people like, hey, doing a little good, watching out for our others during this time really matters right now. And people went bonkers. And she glanced at her phone briefly. She's not a huge Twitter person in general, but she's like, oh, that got a thousand how cute. I went to bed and woke up and it was closer to 3 million engagements. And she had CNN and all these major outlets calling her. And she realizes that she kind of made a connection with the, the world at large. Holy cats. Yeah. And as of today, Dan, it has been retweeted, which means that people not only saw it and maybe nodded their head at it and agreed with it, but sent it out because they loved it so much over 107,000 times, and it has been liked 574,000 times. What have been Rebecca's favorite reactions to the post and, and to her act of kindness? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I did, for one, I did ask her, what was your previous record on Twitter? <laughs> yeah. For some race injury, actually. But she said her favorite reactions were people who were saying, I'm going to look to do the same thing. I'm going to go check on my neighbors. I'm going to call my parents. I'm going to call my grandparents. I'm going to start a community group that uh, we team up and kind of watch out for other seniors in this time of need. This is such a trying time for so many people, particularly elderly folks. So I was glad it can help and I was glad it can inspire tons of other people to do the same. Like it spurred action. And that's why I even got some of this too after the story came out. I see, you know, you're just, you were just bragging. You're just, you just want to let people know how good you are. Like, no, this is about inspiring other people to look beyond their own shuttered household right now. Look out for your neighbors. Look out for the other folks in your community. It's a difficult time. You know, people are really scared. There's a lot of nerves. I see it in schools and, you know, grocery stores and other places around the community that I live in. But, you know, kindness helps. 
and be kind to your neighbor. And if someone is having a hard time or someone can't get basic essentials, you know, reach out to them. Um, you never know the kind of impact you're able to have. So Rebecca is taking solace in how much others have kind of taken this ball and run with it. And she has shared it, you know, when other people write about her or she goes on TV or she's on CNN, she shares that too, because the ball keeps rolling and it keeps picking up more momentum. You know, she's a relay runner at Stanford, too. She's passing the baton on to these other people. Mm, I love that metaphor, Dan, passing the baton, passing the uh, the kindness baton, as it were. And hopefully our conversation will pass that baton just a little bit further. Dan, thanks for the time today. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Well, obviously, we shared this story because it inspired us here at The Update and because of Rebecca's ties to the Bay Area. But we also shared it because of the giant question mark hovering right now over the massive event that Rebecca and so many other current and former Bay Area athletes are still trying to train for. That's right, the Summer Olympics, which are still scheduled to take place July 14th to August 9th in Tokyo. Last week, despite professional leagues, as we all know, canceling and postponing seasons across the globe, the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, said it was fully committed to holding the Games and that measures were being taken to guarantee the safety and interests of athletes, coaches, and support teams. The Olympic flame, as I'm sure a lot of you already know, arrived in Japan on Friday with a torch relay set to begin this Thursday, March 26th. But over the weekend, the chorus of countries and organizations asking the IOC to postpone the Games grew considerably and now includes USA Track and Field and USA Swimming, who both issued statements asking the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee to advocate to the IOC for the postponement of this summer's Games to the summer of 2021. USA Track and Field's Saturday statement included the following, quote, While our world-class athletes are willing to push themselves to their athletic limits in pursuit of Olympic success, the likelihood that they'll be able to properly train in a safe and adequate environment and replicate the excellence we've all come to expect does not appear likely in the midst of this global crisis. As we've learned, our athletes are under tremendous pressure, stress, and anxiety, and their mental health and wellness is among our highest priorities. On the same day that USA Track and Field issued its statement, both the Norwegian and Brazilian Olympic committees released statements as well, asking that the Games be postponed. So, stay tuned. And in the meantime, like Olympic hopeful Rebecca Mera, let's all try to remember to be grateful for the things we have and to look out for those who may not be as fortunate. We all think about ourselves, and this is why it's been so scary. We're all thinking about how it's personally affecting us. And of course, it's personally affected me in some ways. I'm, I'm a professional track athlete, and most of my races are getting canceled. And who knows the fate of the Olympics and the Olympic trials um, as well. At the same time, it was a moment in which I really realized there are folks in this community that are much more affected than I am from the coronavirus. It was a moment in which I realized, like, we need to do our best to be reaching out to these people. They're having a really hard time. They're folks who feel like they can't even go in grocery stores. We need to check on our neighbors and call our grandparents and our parents and help elderly folks. Rebecca, you did exactly the right thing. Help the most vulnerable amongst us, and that is our elderly people. Rebecca Mera, thanks for joining us. You did the right thing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. If you haven't read Dan's in-depth article on Rebecca's career down on the farm and that inspiring trip to the grocery store just yet, we've got the link for you in the description notes of today's podcast. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update, we'll be joined by the GM of Chase Center, Kim Stone, who's had an eventful start to her Bay Area tenure, to say the least, after she helped to open and now temporarily close the arena in just a seven-month span. 
Former Cal Rugger Robert Paler was told that he would likely never walk again after suffering a spinal cord injury while playing in the national championship three years ago. These days, while well, Rob is inching ever closer to getting rid of his wheelchair altogether, graduating from the Haas School of Business, and so much more. Rob is going to join us with an update later this week. And on our next show, A's Gold Glove first baseman Matt Olson didn't know a thing about autism until he met and began working with Reese Blankenship, the nonverbal autistic brother of one of his middle school classmates. Now well over a decade into their friendship, Matt says he wouldn't be the man or the ball player he is without the lessons their friendship has taught him. All right, that's your update for today. Thanks to Dan Brown for stopping by, Rebecca for sharing such a wonderful story, to CNN and Fox News for the sound, and to all of you for listening. As always, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. For Brian Tanika, all of us here at The Update, I'm Kate Scott. Keep staying safe, staying healthy. I know this is tough, but we're doing it together. Have a good few days. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday.